Thank you so much for tuning in. The whole world's listening, including me, Mac.
Hello, and welcome to the 1982 show on Best Frequencies Forever, BFF.FM. I'm your host, Phil Ventura, and that was More Than This by Roxy Music. In 1970, Brian Ferry was fired from his job teaching ceramics at a girls' school for holding impromptu record-listening sessions. He and Graham Simpson decided to form a band, and after several Melody Maker advertisements and lineup changes, they were joined by Andy McKay, Brian Eno, Paul Thompson, and David O'List. In 1971, they played a number of live shows, recorded a demo tape, and were soon after championed by John Peel and Melody Maker journalist Richard Williams. In 72, O'List left the band and was replaced by Paul Manzanera. The band soon joined with EG Management and began recording their debut album, Roxy Music. The album and cover artwork were completed before they signed with Island Records. Roxy Music ended up breaking the UK Top 10. A subsequent single, Virginia Plain, went to number 4, and the next album, For Your Pleasure, was released in 1973 and began a long collaboration with producer Chris Thomas. After the For Your Pleasure tour, Brian Eno left the band because of differences with Ferry. The band's next albums, Stranded, Country Life, and Siren, helped them break the U.S. Top 40 and produce the hits Street Life and Love is the Drug. Brian Ferry's persona as a suave and jaded Euro-sophisticate was cemented. Roxy Music briefly disbanded in 1976 with Ferry releasing two solo records. The band reunited in 78 to record the album Manifesto. This was followed by Flesh Plus Blood in 1980. Both albums were enormously successful on the UK charts, but critically panned. In 81, they covered John Lennon's Jealous Guy as a tribute to him after his death, and it became their only number one single. In 1982, Roxy Music once more became critical darlings with their album Avalon, Recorded at Compass Point Studios, it was a UK number one album and sold over a million copies in the US. It ended up being their final studio album and is considered the culmination of the smoother, more adult-oriented sound of their later work. I'm not typically for easy listening, adult-oriented sounds, and I think the title track of this album is absolutely ludicrous. However, there are a number of fantastic tracks to be found here, so I want to share some of those with you beginning with The Space Between. This relationship 
That is so goddamn lovely. That was Always Unknowing, the B-side from the Avalon single by Roxy Music. Before that, True to Life, the main thing, While My Heart is Still Beating, and The Space Between, all from the Avalon album by Roxy Music. It's not going to get any sexier on this program than Roxy Music. I don't think it can. Um, Also, the production is super spacey on that album, if you haven't noticed. And apparently the reason was they were all on a ton of drugs at the time. So there is a theme to today's program. Um, The general idea is artists who had made a considerable impact in the prior decade during the 1970s. And kind of like, okay, so where were they at? In the beginning of the 80s kind of dramatic shift for some of them for others it was just a continuation of what they had done which is generally less exciting um so the next band is the stranglers formed by a person calling themselves jet black who was already in his mid-30s in the 1970s god that's like me so fucking old um he made a bunch of money because he had owned a ton of ice cream vans And later a place called The Jackpot, which is something called an off-license. Which is a UK thing having to do with, like, being able to sell alcohol but not drink it there or something. I don't know. Um, So anyway, he he had been a drummer in previous decades and decided to get a band together. So he formed a band called The Guildford Stranglers, uh, operated out of The Jackpot, and uh, this included Jean-Jacques Burnell, Hugh Cornwell, and Dave Greenfield. So in the mid-70s, uh, they quickly became associated with the punk rock movement, particularly because they had opened for uh, the British tours of the Ramones and Patti Smith. But I guess they weren't uh, super welcomed by the community because... One, they were older, they were kind of intellectuals, and they were musically proficient. (laughs) So their early albums, three of them all came out within 13 months, Radis, Norvegicus, No More Heroes, and Black and White. Uh, They were pretty successful amongst the public. They had the hits Peaches, Something Better Change, and No More Heroes. Um, During this time, they became known as being kind of uh, at odds with music journalists even so far as to uh getting punching journalist john savage during a promotional event um they also toured japan at this time and became really involved in the scene over there so in the late 70s they kind of shifted the sound of their music became a lot more experimental a lot more pop oriented detailed They released The Raven, which was a success in the UK. I guess it went to number four, but there was some controversy that it could have gone to number one, except the police went to number one, even though their album hadn't been released yet. Some weird fucking shit. Um, Had a couple successful singles, and then were given complete creative freedom for their next album, The Gospel According to Men in Black, which basically bombed for them. Um... So they pulled way back and released the commercial and critical uh, success La Folie, which had the single Golden Brown, which you've probably heard about a million times. Uh, It was a huge success in the UK. 
Um, followed it up with Strange Little Girl. Came out in 1982. I will be playing that later. It is a fantastic song. It charted number seven in the UK. And that was followed by Feline, their 1982 album, including the UK number nine hit European Female. At this point, there was a lot more um, th synthesizers, acoustic instrumentation involved. They kind of sound a bit like Legendary Pink Dots to me, too, where there's the kind of um, distanced, ironic lyricism. Anyway, a lot of really cool stuff. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. We're going to start with their hit, European Female.
Woke up on a good day, and the world was wonderful. A midnight summer dream had me in its spell. I dreamt about an old man who sat and watched the rain all night. He couldn't sleep a wink as all the drops fell. He told me of the beauty. Hidden in our foreheads, and he told me of the ugliness we shine still. And when we put a foot wrong, do we learn from all the pain? A midnight summer dream, as we watched the rain. Then at midnight, he poured another drink and bent my ear. After midnight, we sat up half the night, or maybe more, and he began to tell me what it was all for. I woke up in an armchair. He had gone, I don't know where. He left me here to sit and look at the rain. I don't remember much at all, but his words were echoing. Midnight summer dream, and then awake again. Maybe I'll never find him. Maybe he's gone forever. Maybe I'll have to sit here watching weather. But one thing's pretty certain: helped me make it in the night, and showed me somewhere else. Between wrong and right, so at midnight, if you can't sleep, then I will bend your ear. And after midnight, we'll sit up half the night, or maybe more, and I'll begin to tell you what it's all for.
I woke up in an armchair. He had gone, I don't know where. He left me here to sit and look at the rain. I don't remember much at all, but his words were echoing. A midnight summer dream, and then I'll wake again. So far from 
was Strange Little Girl by The Stranglers. Before that, Let's Tango in Paris, Midnight Summer Dream, and European Female. The next band I'm going to play for you is Blondie. I realize that, you know, there's young people out there and we all get exposed to things at different times. I just get really indignant if someone tells me they're not familiar with Blondie. I refuse to believe that. Um, but here's a little background, just in case you somehow don't know. Um, Chris Stein and Debbie Harry formed the band in the mid-70s. They met in a band called The Stilettos, formed a band called Angel and the Snake, and then changed the name to Blondie because that's what truck drivers would catcall when they saw Debbie Harry. So they had some personnel turnover added a few members, released their debut album, Blondie, in 1976 uh, with the label Private Stock. It didn't go anywhere, uh, so they bought back their contract with Private Stock and signed with British label Chrysalis Records, re-released the album, and had their first success in 77 in Australia when the B-side of their single Ex-Offender, In the Flesh, was accidentally played on a television program called Countdown. 
Um, so the, that resulted in the single going to number two in Australia and the album reaching the top 20. They had continued success over there um, when they released their second album, Plastic Letters, along with the single Denis and I'm Always Touched by Your Presence, Dear. They got their mainstream success in the U.S. and all over the world with their third album, Parallel Lines, number one in the U.K., number six in the U.S., and number two in Australia. It broke the band because of the single, Heart of Glass, disco-infused, major hit, Surely You Must Have Heard It. Apparently, they were inspired by Kraftwerk and the Bee Gees, as far as incorporating the disco dance elements into that track. And of course, there was a music video showcasing Debbie Harry's hard-edged and playfully sexual character, as well as her famously stiff, marginally disinterested persona. I mean, their music is absolutely great. I don't denigrate it in the least, but there's no question that um, Debbie Harry's appearance and, you know, aloof cool, you know, played a major part in their success and popularity. So that single was followed by One Way or Another, another total classic, and Sunday Girl in the UK, another number one hit for them. And then they were, uh, in 1979, they were on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Their fourth album, Eat to the Beat, another major success, had the single Dreaming, Union City Blue, and... That was followed by a collaboration with producer Giorgio Moroder. If you don't know him, he's, I don't know, a legend, and he produced most of Donna Summer's biggest hits. He worked on them with for the single Call Me. Originally, uh, the title theme for the Richard Gere film American Gigolo, it was released in 1980, spent six consecutive weeks at number one in the U.S. and Canada, number one in the U.K., major, major hit. Um... They then released the album Auto-American, another major success with the number one hit, The Tide is High, and of course, the rap-flavored Rapture, which was the first song featuring rapping to reach number one in the US. I wish it didn't have rapping, but it does. And other than that, it's a cool song. Um, the album went platinum, so then they took a little hiatus. Debbie Harry released a solo album and got into acting. She appeared in Videodrome. Why can't I think of this guy's name? Oh, David Cronenberg. Durr. Um, I just saw this again recently. She's incredible in it. And the movie totally holds up. It's one of his best. You must see it. Super disturbing. If you're not into that, don't watch it. But really, really great film. Um, and the other members of Blondie were doing stuff too. Um, one of them was playing drums on the Eurythmics debut album. Another one, uh, another two were working on music for John Waters' film, Polyester. So anyways, in 1982, they released The Hunter. Kind of a critical and commercial failure for them. Not well received, and it was their last album for a very long time. They had a couple minor hits from it. And quite honestly, it's not a great album. I don't love it. But there's a couple decent songs. Well, better than these, there's a couple good songs, and so I've cherry-picked those to share with you, and I hope you enjoy them. We're going to begin with the opening track, Orchid Club.
That was Blondie with the song English Boys. Before that, Orchid Club. If you're just joining us, this is the 1982 show on BFF.FM. And if you don't listen to this station that often, I must tell you, it's a nonprofit radio station. We're all volunteers here. We depend on the generous donations of our listeners. So if you want, go to BFF.FM slash donate. Give whatever you can. It's all helpful. It's all well appreciated. So again, the theme for today is artists that made an impact in the prior decade during the 70s and kind of checking in on where they were at in 1982. The next artist, I don't know how to begin talking about her. Um, It's Yoko Ono. There's just so much information. I mean, she was almost 50 uh, by 1982, and she had lived quite a life up to that point. Born in 1933, she lived through World War II while in Japan, Um, lived in New York City a lot of the time with her family, went to a couple of prestigious schools, went to school with the future emperor of Japan, (laughs) Um, was deeply involved in the downtown New York avant-garde art scene along with the Fluxus movement. John Cage was her mentor. Oh, gosh. A um, couple different marriages. Of course, her most famous marriage is to the Beatles, John Lennon. I don't want to get too much into that. There's a ton of, you know, gossipy stuff regarding their marriage. Um, needless to say, a lot of it is what most people would call scandalous, but their relationship was obviously extremely special. Um, it was kind of them against the world in a lot of ways, but uh, they also did an incredible amount of collaboration artistically, musically. Um, Yeah. Meanwhile, she was making solo work, uh, a ton of visual art and performance work. I actually had the privilege of seeing a retrospective of hers at the New York Museum of Modern Art. So much intelligent, fascinating, great work. And the best part was seeing... um, kind of middle American families viewing some of her video work and just being so freaking uncomfortable. Like the work is like 40 years old at this point and it's still making people uncomfortable. I love it. Um, so of course a major thing that affected her work was the murder of John Lennon in 1980. I mean, she continued on, but it definitely like left an incredible impact on her. And you can see that in her 1982 album, It's Alright, I See Rainbows. I mean, 
the title itself is of course a response to you know getting over the death of her beloved and so adventures stylistically a lot into you know what was popular at the time synthesizers and dancey groovy stuff there's like some reggae influence tracks and but it's all experimental i mean she wrote and produced the entire thing so it's completely shaded with her personality and her inventiveness and just really cool stuff despite some of the cheesy elements also a lot of heartbreaking stuff i mean there are songs about how her child had to like force her to get out of bed because she couldn't do it i mean some of it is brutal but i think it's a really cool interesting album worth investigating and so i want to play a couple tracks from it's all right i see rainbows by yoko ono beginning with the track my man
That was Yoko Ono with Let the Tears Dry. Before that, Wake Up, Speck of Dust, Never Say Goodbye, and My Man. Moving on, anyone that knows me well knows I am quite the Francophile, and perhaps my favorite French musical artist. Not Serge Gainsbourg. I love Serge Gainsbourg, all right? But no, it's Francoise Hardy. So if you're not familiar with her, she made her musical debut in the early 60s and found immediate success with her song Tous les garçons et les filles. Real cute song. Very melancholy and sad. She was a leading figure of the yay-yay movement and considered France's most exportable female singing star. She recorded in, I believe, six different languages, appeared in a number of movies, toured throughout Europe, had fans that included Bob Dylan, Miles Davis, and Mick Jagger. Also worked as a model. What I really like about her, though, is she kind of eschews sexuality. Like, she's very pretty, obviously, but she's got a sort of, like, masculine-feminine mix and sort of coldness. Even though her music wasn't very serious in the beginning, she feels serious. And uh, her music eventually matched that in the early 70s. 71, she released the album La Question. It is an absolute masterpiece. If you haven't heard this album, I greatly encourage you to check it out. Um, super sad, but beautiful, like gorgeous from start to finish. Perfect grade A album. And so she continued along that line for a little while. Uh, in 82, she released the album Quelqu'un qui s'en va. I'm going to play some tracks from that album for you. There's definitely like the melancholy balladry that could be found on her earlier work, but also sort of some playful, light, cheesier touches. So we're going to begin with one of those, um, the single Tire pas sur l'ambiance.
was Françoise Hardy with Ses Petits Rien, before that Mazurka, Un de Trois Chat, Quelqu'un qui s'en va, and Tirez pas sur l'ambulance. Uh, 
the next band I don't want to say too much about, mostly because I am running out of time. Um, but also because uh, they're not my favorite. Fleetwood Mac. Look, I would never argue that they're not a great band. They clearly are. Um, it's just not my style, you know? That's not to say I'm completely immune to their wiles, though. You know, there's a couple tracks that appeal to me. Uh, they had enormous success in the mid-1970s with their albums Fleetwood Mac and Rumors. They've sold over 100 million records worldwide. It's insane. Hugely successful band. Um, in 1982, they released the album Mirage. Uh, it was kind of a comeback album for them and another major, major success. And I want to just play a couple tracks from that album, beginning with Empire State.
was Gypsy by Fleetwood Mac before that Empire State. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the 1982 show on BFF.FM. 
BFF has an installation at ATA on Valencia Street right now, so we'll be playing live from there for between 10 and 6, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. every day for the month of September. I will be there today at noon for Andrew Lopez's uh, Big Nothing program. Come check us out. Wave at us. Act weird. I have one more song to play for you. It's by Frida from ABBA, one of the biggest selling musical acts in music history. Frida released her first English language solo English language solo album, Something's Going On, in 1982. It was produced by Phil Collins. Huge international success. I will definitely be playing more from that album in the future. But for now, here's I Know There's Something Going On. <laughs> 